everybody. Today, it's all about contraception and clarifying some misconceptions. What was that right? We're all about sex. All women should be able to enjoy it and feel safe without having to worry about conceiving if she doesn't wish to. But contraception can be super negative and quite frankly, in the UK at least, so is the education surrounding it. After all, knowledge is power and empowering. So let's jump in. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. So today we're obviously talking about contraception and this has stemmed from myself, Shah, doing a project on contraception recently for my master's degree. And basically, in the UK at least, the lack of education surrounding contraception and I basically had some kind of scary messages from a lot of women and some men as well about the way they use contraception, side effects of contraception, and how little they knew or have been taught about contraception. So today I just thought it'd be a great way to talk about it, um, talk about our own experiences, and also give you some facts that you may not know and some little myth busters as well. Firstly, if you don't know what contraception is, or also known as birth control, fertility control, it is a method of stopping conception, which is a woman getting pregnant, after heterosexual intercourse. So there's many methods of this, including hormonal contraception, which is what we'll be mostly focusing on today, like taking a hormonal pill, which works by stopping ovulation, sterilization in men, like a vasectomy, behavioral methods such as women checking their monthly cycles or the FAM method, and also the withdrawal method, which FYI is not a very good method, guys, so don't really go there, okay? <laughs> Pull out and pray. I'll pray. We've all done it. We've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, and then we've also got biomethods like condoms, which obviously are the only method currently on the market that prevents against sexually transmitted infections and diseases. So don't be silly. Wrap your willy. <laughs> Next, we're going to just like let you guys know about some popular forms of contraception in the UK and their success rates, just in case you're not familiar with them all. One method of contraception is the patch. The patch includes hormones estrogen and progestin, which is absorbed through the skin through the bloodstream. It suppresses ovulation, which is the way your little egg comes out. A square patch placed on the skin and changed every week with a 93% success rate. Woo. Yeah, so I've had an awful experience with the patch, but I will go into the detail of that later, guys. So the next up is two contraceptions kind of put into one the pill and the mini pill which are both slightly different so the pill includes the hormones estrogen and progestin again as same as the patch and suppresses ovulation again and the mini pill includes progestin only they both thin the uterus lining and thicken cervical fluid to um, stop sperm getting where it wants to get and usually one pill is taken orally at the same time every day and there is a 93 percent success rate but that is very much based on user error or not. And there's a lot of things that can affect the pill, which I'm sure you all know, you know, if you have diarrhea or sickness bug, if you drink alcohol, if you forget a pill, etc. So yeah, definitely always read the labels of those. The next one is the injection, which includes the progestin hormone again, but it stops the ovary from releasing an egg. Uh, it's administered by a GP and it must be given every three months and it has a 96% success rate. So most people have that in their hip or their bum. Um, it doesn't hurt very much in my opinion, having it done, but it hurts a lot having it. <laughs> so in terms of the injection as well, a lot of the times doctors or GPs will put you on a pill to trial it for three months before, because it can be a lot of hormone to put in your body 
at once and if you're not going to have a great reaction to it it's going to last for three months and there is nothing you can do just to stop it or get it out basically I did not get that like my school nurse at my college who did like loads of my stuff just did not give a shit (laughs) she was just like a cowboy a cowboy the next one is the implant so this includes the progestin hormone as well also prevents ovulation and also thickens cervical mucus so it's placed under the skin of the upper arm by a professional and it can remain for three years with a 99.9 percent success rate to be fair, I've actually not tried the vaginal ring, so I can't actually see Neither have I. It's more of an yeah. old school approach. Mm-hmm. Got some funny old school approaches to talk about later, but the vaginal ring includes hormones, estrogen and progestin, similar to a lot of the ones we've been speaking about. It works by preventing ovulation. So obviously a lot of these different ones do work differently. Um, a clear ring that is placed inside the vagina and it must be changed every three weeks with a 93% success rate. Yeah, I've not used that one either, but um, might do in the future. So next up, we've got another sort of old school type one as well, which is the spermicide with diaphragms or a cap. So these can be used together or separately. And no hormones are used, but spermicides contain sperm killing agents and diaphragms and caps serve as a barrier like condoms. So the caps are inserted into the vagina covering the cervix and then spermicide needs to be inserted vaginally hours prior to sex. So caps have an 83% success rate and spermicides are 79%. But this obviously increases when those things are used together. Uh, I've never used this. Spermicide sounds a little bit terrifying, if I'm honest. I do not uh, want to put spermicide in my vagina. It sounds like no. acid, doesn't it? I also feel like this sounds like thrush weight happened, but I do not know that. That's just me for an out there. Um, but I know this was used a lot kind of in the 80s and 90s and um alarm it today but i also think like you know unless you really are planning on when you're having sex also it's going to be a bit too late because you have to insert them mm-hmm. prior to sex and oh. i think they're only allowed to stay in for a certain amount of time as well so okay. yeah. no long sex sessions then yeah <laughs> okay the copper iud and also hormonal IUDs, is that what you meant to write there? Uh, no, IUS is, is it? I three different things, yeah. Look at this girl, she's just teaching me left, right, and bloody stuff. IUS is yeah, it's system because it's hormones plus the actual, oh. I think. Yeah. That makes sense. The copper IUD uses no hormones, but works by being toxic to sperm, just like myself. It can, <laughs> it can last 10 years, <laughs> and the hormonal IUS uses progestin similar to the implant. It can last for three to five years, depending. Both yeah. are T-shaped devices made from plastic or plastic and copper. They are inserted surgically into the uterus by a professional. 99% effective. Bam. Not very pleasant getting them inserted, I'm going to be honest, but can be really worth it. Yep. So um, the IUS can last for three to five years, depending on if it moves around or if you want it taken out or whatever and the copper coil can usually last for 10 years the copper coil can also be used as a way of emergency contraceptives such as the morning after pill and it's 99.9 percent effective um, and can be more effective than the morning after pill do you just want to quickly explain for any maybe younger listeners or people who don't know that the emergency contraception like what that is no <laughs> obviously an emergency contraception is if you've already had the sex and then or, or you know you think you might be pregnant already and then you need to do something pre the idea of termination to prevent a pregnancy occurring to prevent the sperm 
fertilizing the egg essentially yeah so you usually have around 72 hours to do that but the longer you leave it obviously the more chance there is that it will not be effective and then finally we've got good old-fashioned sdi fighting condoms so condoms contain no hormones and act as a barrier stopping sperm from entering the vagina and also prevent the spread of stis they are available in both male and female form but uh the female form isn't as regularly used or talked about and they have a 87% success rate if they are a male condom and female condoms are 79% effective. Obviously a lot of people are allergic to latex which is what they're made from but there are now some great condoms on the market that are latex free which FYI they smell much better and I feel like condoms have a big old stereotype of just being gross, don't they? I mean, I don't know what you think about them, but I certainly do. The smell has literally made me nearly sick once and that, that killed the mood. Do you know what the um, funny thing is? I feel like when you're in like a doctor's office or like a, a, like a school nurse or something, they always give you like loads of condoms free. And I feel like loads of the like ones that they give out are like flavoured. I remember being in college and getting like banana ones, chocolate ones, like strawberry ones. And like, they all taste like shit none of them taste nice <laughs> i'm really sorry but if a dick had a condom on it i would not be sucking it i just wouldn't well, you never like what? just done it just to taste it like that's the whole point like <laughs> no mate the smell of them puts me off so much i couldn't even bring my face near there and the worst thing yeah, is, is that- though, i haven't used a condom for anything for a long time so i've just been in a relationship where i've had you know something inside me already so that i didn't need to do that but yeah condoms have got a big random thing haven't they like I can't fit I can't fit there's not one that's big enough for my big dick oh. and also that's a lie because you can put a condom over your head so yeah. shut up me get a lie get a lie actually the condoms is. are actually too big for them <laughs> so, yeah. there we go guys but yeah condoms oh I just I'm not a fan I really try and be a fan and I've well I wouldn't say I've always used them when I should have but the majority mm. of the time I have um and seeing as we're speaking about this i'd like to quickly bring up stealthing i'm not sure if you know what that is jasmine yeah and i think it's just an important point to raise that not many people will know of. but in the uk now it is now classed as an act of rape so it's a lot more serious than people think so stealthing is yeah definitely stealthing is when you're having sex and one of the parties removes the condom without the other person's consent or without them knowing um Obviously, this can lead to STIs. This can lead mm. to pregnancy, pregnancy, anything. And it's just morally disgusting. Um, and yeah. I just want to make you all aware of that because not that many people know. And it's happened to a lot of people. Um, and so, Don't do it and don't let other people do it to you, basically. Yeah, definitely. And it's not always men or, or whatever. You know, it's sometimes women have also done it because they want to get pregnant with somebody you know, who doesn't know about that or doesn't know that's happened, which is also really messed up. So yeah, I just thought I'd mention that there. Yeah, also, I mean, there's even like, you've seen it before in like TV shows and stuff. Um, and I know that it does happen in real life where say, for example, a man is finished and he ties up the condom and he puts it in the like bin in the room or whatever, he leaves and then the person chooses to open it and try and get the sperm inside them that's also not okay don't do that <laughs> yeah and also deliberately cutting holes is it counts well or that's like the, the condom yeah. yeah i just can also remember like trying to lighten the mood a little bit as well that do you remember when you're in school and they like make you put a condom on like a banana or a cucumber yeah. and then, like pinch the top and then roll down you're like all right mate <laughs> <One set. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and during my project, that is where I found out that the most people got their education and pretty much their only education as well. Um, but yeah, I definitely remember PSHE lessons with like a sort of a, a teacher that had like a stereotype for being a pedo because he once dated a student who was much younger than him, which is a bit pedo-y, but he then married her and they've now got a family. So it wasn't just like a one-off thing but uh so it was a one-off thing um but yeah and I remember being there and he had these really tight short pea shorts on and it was just like oh this is really awkward um but yeah and then you learn about the testy eyes and then that's kind of it really which um is a massive lack of education but we'll get onto that later but it's not more than gross STIs because there is a lot of like STI shaming in the world and like there's a lot of people that like live with like herpes and stuff like that constantly and they talk about it a lot as like a you know, shaming thing because I. Okay, no, you're right. That's true. Do you remember when you're in school and everyone talks about blue waffle? Did you have that? Yeah, blue waffle. <laughs> is it even? A, it's not even a thing. I don't thing, know what that is. I don't even know. Have you ever looked at the pictures of blue waffle? Let me get yeah, we got showed the it. pictures, but I don't really know. Like, <laughs> I don't actually know what STI that is actually called. I don't actually think it really is an STI. I think it's. I think just it was just like. I just imagine like, like someone has like had a good time with like cream up a badge and it's gone a bit mouldy or something. Yeah, it was something like that. It wasn't really a thing. Like, uh, okay, it says here on dictionary.com, blue waffles are fictional sexually transmitted infection <gasps> that's believed to both turn the vagina blue and disfigure it. It's fake news, guys. Fake news. Don't listen to us. Okay, so that kind of sums up the contraception. There are obviously uh, a couple of others out there, but these are kind of the main ones that people know about or use so that we'll be discussing today. I just want to carry on with like this kind of motivators behind this episode. Obviously, I said it stemmed off the back of a project that I've recently done, um, which is true. But I, it just made me so aware of the lack of education. And I know I've had a lack of education and I've had to teach myself. And it's something I'm really interested in. So I have learned a lot about contraception, my cycle, women's bodies, hormones. But I know not everyone's going to be interested in that and want to find out more about that. And that means they're all kind of continually be living in a lack of education. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of worrying side effects from these contraceptives and they can cover up long-term health issues. They can make people unable to conceive. And also I want to talk about why is it just a woman's responsibility? Because, mm. Because, because, because women are only capable of conceiving six days in a monthly cycle. So why are we the ones bearing the load of drugs and devices when a man can pump it out any time? On that note, we should now move on to experiences and our own experiences. So I've personally gone through some awful side effects changes and procedures all in the name of trying to enjoy sex and avoid pregnancy basically so this includes two types of pill a mini pill the patch currently four copper iud's and a lot of condoms and a couple of split condoms and quite a few morning after pills i've also passed out in a london underground carriage had suicidal thoughts had a million days of awful period type cramps or so it feels Horrific vaginal injections and gas and air on more than one occasion, and that's in 10 years alone. Wow. But my full experience is going to be coming next week, and it's actually your turn, Jazz, to share your experiences with us. I 
also have had loads of difficult experiences. Um, I do want to precursor it. I have now realized that some of the issues, not all of them, but some of the issues that I experienced with contraception could very well be to do with endometriosis, uh, which I also most likely have. The reason we say most likely is because it can only be diagnosed through surgery. So it has to be yeah. what the doctor presumes you have um, based on what they can see. But anyway, and um, yeah, one of the main issues that I have had, but uh, I think the biggest issue is always my mental health with any hormonal contraception, the, the level of like random rage, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, um, is has been difficult in every single type of contraception I've had. And I've experienced, I've used the pill, but I was not responsible about taking the pill and as I was saying to Shara earlier when we were talking about it before the episode would quite frequently without realizing that this is doesn't actually work would miss a pill and then the next day take two I think there was actually a time where I might have even taken three or four in the hope oh, no. that would extra help it does not help do not do that um yeah so taking the pill I don't think I've taken the mini pill I think I've only taken the pill but I think I took two types of pill I also started contraception, like hormonal contraception, maybe, I think I was maybe 14, not 15. Um, what you about to say when you were actually, <laughs> No, but then I had, I actually didn't lose my virginity then, so I'm not really sure. I think I might have got it thinking, I'm going to have sex soon, and then yeah. not actually had sex for a bit. Um, and then I remember mostly about college, like I was having a lot of sex in college, and yeah I tried quite a few different things but I was also having a really difficult time in my life so the two things together were just awful like mm. I feel like the I also had like low sex drive which when you've been like quite a horny person which I think I am I, I feel like that's quite strange and for me I remember being with well there was times with a partner like a like a romantic partner but also times where I would be like going to go and have sex with someone you know maybe after a night out or something mm -hmm. and then would get into the situation and suddenly feel very very uncomfortable and not want to do it anymore like I would go from think like my mental brain would think you love sex so yeah like you like this person or you want to have sex with this person go and have sex with them and then I'd get into the actual situation and be really like oh I actually don't want to do this anymore and like just really like turned off which obviously caused loads of like awkward things. And I kept thinking like, yeah, is it more like about like sexual issues I've had in the past? Um, or is it more to do with like, what's got, what the fuck is going on basically? You know, mm. you, know you just can't figure it out. And I feel like that's the main problem. Like a lot of women have had issues with when they're younger, especially is that like, you just start, start coming into the world of like sex. And then you get given these things of like, oh, just take this or just have this or this will this will protect you for this amount of time and then you just do it and maybe you get like a little leaflet with it. But that doesn't mean suddenly you know everything about it and yeah, maybe it says like 17% of this people get this effect. It's like, like, I feel like for some people, some people don't get any side effects and some people like me and Shah seem to just get everyone under the sun, like every problem that you can get really. And like for me, like bleeding every day was a massive issue. Did I already say that to do with endo? Like for me, every type of contraception I've been on pretty much that's hormonal has made me bleed every day, but that could be to do with endometriosis. So I don't know if that's fair to call it a problem with the contraception, but that one in 10 people have it. So you have to know that you might be one of those people who that does affect it. And if you do take something that's like a long-term thing, like the injection or 
the implant, which I've also had loads of art experiences with, then you're kind of stuck with it. Like for me with the implant, once they give it to you, they don't want to take it out straight away because it takes a while to start working and to, mm. to like for your body to get used to it. But if you're trying to get used to it and you start to feel suicidal and depressed and sickly and mood swings and you're constantly crying and you feel really insecure about everything and you're you know you're trying to you're asking your boyfriend every two minutes do you still love me <laughs> you feel like really yeah. like of yourself and like really like alone in the world in a way and then you go to the, the thing and you think you say I think it's this this thing in my arm please you need to take it out and they're like no we want you to keep it in for a bit longer I just don't understand the logic there like it's also not opinion, up to them but I think it's trying to cut down on like un unnecessary costs yeah unnecessary costs unwanted pregnancy um and no matter what contraception you're on everyone will always recommend to you for three months because it it does take three months for your cycle to notice changes and that's naturally as well um but funny enough coming time to feel depressed for yeah like even if they do want you to stay on for three months if you're not feeling it within a couple of weeks you know you can try and do this full three months if you want, but it is not up to anyone or your GP or your boyfriend or your partner or anyone to decide no. what you put into your body or do with your body. So Definitely if you not. don't want it, if you're listening to this and you think, oh yeah, actually I've been feeling all these things as well and maybe it isn't normal, then go to your GP and demand it be taken out. And if they say no, get a second opinion or make a bloody appointment every done. week until someone takes you seriously because... Yeah. these contraceptives can be really harmful like they can cause stroke like i went to the doctor one time we were talking about contraception which i wasn't on at the time and he was like yeah a girl i know recently died she was 26 she had a stroke and she'd been on the pill for seven years oh good that's nice which, you know anyone can have a stroke or anything anytime and it might not have been of that but that definitely heightened her risk so yeah anyway i feel like they just don't want to because like a lot of especially like for me like when i was getting a lot of um help with contraceptives like hormonal contraceptives like i was saying before it was at my college with my college like nurse not with an actual like not with a not what is it an actual doctor but like just not with a doc not with a gp but with yeah. a college nurse and she was i feel like it's important to them to like avoid like teen pregnancy which is fair enough because i have fallen pregnant before and not like wanted to if you know what i mean yeah um so like I can understand they're like wanting you to keep trying something, but at the same time, it's like if I'm telling you I should I should be the one to make the decision. She would flat out refuse to take my implant out until the end of the like waiting period. She literally said I'm not doing it. And I just think that is so like archaic, like really bad. That is. And like oh I can just imagine how like oh some young teenager didn't want to get it taken out it's like yeah. all right you might have been young or whatever but who the fuck are you to decide it's not your body yeah. it's not your choice Mate, I'm, and, I'm and so you're stopping people like, from not yeah and you're not she's stopping people from feeling comfortable enough to come back if they ever were in a situation well that horrible person trouble. now I feel like I should complain about it, like find out who she who was there at the time because that's the same person who took my implant out without any numb or injection or anything so yeah, I remember being sat with a friend a few years later and she's like, yeah, so when they put the, the injection in to numb my spot to have my implant taken out, blah, 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 blah. I was like, wait, you had, you had an injection to stop the pain of them, like literally, she just cut into my arm and then got these huge tweezers and was digging around in my flesh. Honestly, one of the worst pains ever, like, 
I mean, actually not now, but that, that was crazy. That. Yeah. That's also just like mentally, like what the fuck? Like, I don't actually know if everywhere gives pain relief, you know, but you can request it. You can say, I don't want this done without pain. Like, mm. I don't know if it like, maybe she was, she, she definitely didn't ask me, do I want painkiller? But maybe they don't have to, I don't know, but it felt bad at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. And like, yeah, so I, similarly with, I've tried, so that, like condoms, obviously there's flavoured condoms and everything that you get given for free. I used Ew. to just love going and getting them all, even though like, you know, <laughs> you still some in your thing. Like, it's like, ooh. Um, what else? So an injection implant. I've got the copper coil now. But yeah, I've had that for a few years. And to be honest, it has been the best thing I've ever had because as much as I wish I didn't have to take anything or use anything, but could still have sex and not have to worry about getting pregnant, I feel like the lack of hormones does just make you feel cool, like calm and collected, at least most of the time. And you've got 10 years. Like for me, one of the main things with other things is like making sure you go and do it. And I've got like a bit of an issue with doctors sometimes anyway, like just like a bit of a phobia. So like if it came to it where I was like, oh, you know, it's come, coming to the end of my three months for my injection now, whatever. The time can kind of like, there could be a gap in the middle. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Um, so for me, it is better to have something that's long lasting personally. Um, but I feel like that's different for everyone because like you were saying with the injection, like three months is a long time to be stuck with something that you might yeah. not want anymore. And they can't take an injection out. They can take out the implant, but they can't take out an injection. It's just in there. So, yeah, it's so true. And like, I feel like we're both kind of preaching about the copper coil, which I mean, they've both been good for us. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I've actually had some issues, but you've definitely had some issues yeah I have had some issues with the copper coil and stuff but I would still take that over the issues I was getting Mm. with the hormonal contraceptives but during my project I had several girls who said they actually collapsed because of the copper coil because of the pain or because it moved or because their bodies were just really working to reject it some people's Mm. fall out within the first couple of weeks because their body will literally reject it the same as a piercing or something um Other people can get ridiculously heavy periods, cramps, pain. So, you know, there's pros and cons to every contraception. I don't just want to sit here and be like, don't take hormone and contraceptives, only get the copper coil because everybody is different. And until you, yeah, until you try and test these contraceptives, unfortunately, you're not going to know what works for you. And the same is, you know, if you don't want to take any contraceptions, also fine. It's your body. It's your, it's your choice. And I also don't want, anyone to think I'm being like oh she's really slugging off the pill because my experience was awful and I personally would never take it again but if it works for you then I'm super happy that you are able to have safe sex and avoid getting pregnant at the time if that's what what you're wanting yeah so the main bulk of this episode I wanted to be on facts and kind of random things to do with contraception that you might not know about so jazz did you want to start with the history sure in 1961 it was the first year that the contraceptive pill was approved for use in the uk available from the nhs to married women but each pill was equivalent to seven of today's pill imagine those side effects in 1967 it became available to all women um why was it six years later harsh but yeah another thing to note about the history as well is that the contraceptive pill was originally created for men. Men didn't want to take it or wouldn't take it because of the side effects. It was then pushed on women who were also like, nah, not having it. And then because pharmacies and companies had 
like invested in it or it needed to make back the money it took to create it they sold it to uh mental institutes and it was force-fed to women who had other supposedly mental issues and was given to them obviously they weren't even having sex because they were in a mental institute it would have been mixed in with the other pills they wouldn't have even realized they were taking it and I spoke to a sexologist called Dr. Aurora, who I quote in my project, and she told me that actually it could be one of the reasons why a lot of women didn't come out because their hormones were so crazy. It was like seven to eight times to 12 times stronger back then when it first came out. That imagine the side effects these women were feeling and why their behavior could have been seen as crazy or whatever. And that could be some of the reason why a lot of women didn't ever get to leave these institutes which is absolutely crazy and just shows the kind of patriarchal fucking society that we're in that that happened and that the pill stemmed from there so the the history is actually really ugly of the contraceptive pill and actually I'm sorry to interrupt you because what you're saying is so interesting but I want to make it clear to our listeners that the whole time you started saying that my mouth has just dropped I actually you know you know how many things like that have happened throughout the ages where people have been given things that they weren't supposed to be given but Mm -hmm. it's shocking that isn't it that is shocking it's actually just awful like who like it's barbaric that like I actually can't believe it and it just makes you think like if that was you and you started taking this thing and all your hormones were changing I mean obviously I guess in these places you have different levels of I don't know what the right word is I don't want to say I'm sorry but in those days people went to mental mentalist institutes for things like hysteria which is like when I've had a fucking moment do you know what I mean Imagine the side effects we've had from the pill and then imagine it being up to 12 times stronger. I can't believe it. People sometimes Hi. call horny women hysteria, like women yeah. who just like sex. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like hysterical. So. But then if you were taking, you started taking these pills, which you wouldn't have really known, or even if you did, you'd have to be forced to take it so there's nothing you could really yeah, do. Yeah, After a while, you'd maybe think, actually, shit, I am fucking angry. I am hot. I am like, yeah, have no yeah. sex drive. I am feeling always... They themselves might have believed that they... We're crazy because yeah because of this thing that they were being made to take so yeah I think that was one of my most interesting things I learned from my project and it is really crazy so many like random things used as contraceptives to stop people getting pregnant when they want to have some sex one of the first ones is from like 16th century BCE which is from like Egyptian like which is was used by Egyptian and Mesopotamian women using basically acacia and honey. So they would mix unripe fruit, like the acacia fruit, with honey and ground dates. And then they'd soak a piece of cotton or like of a plant fiber in the paste and insert it in their vagina like a tampon. Um, But actually it sounds like, how would that work? But apparently this one was quite effective in a way because the acacia gum ferments into lactic acid, which acts as a a spermicide. So probably- she quite clever. Yeah. And then there's this one called Silphium, which I'm not really sure what it is, but apparently it was used by like ancient Minoans, Egyptians, Romans, and Greeks. And they would use this like fennel like plant to ease bloated stomachs, season their food, blah, blah, blah. But they would drink the plant's heart shaped seeds as like a juice once a month for a natural contraceptive. And they would also put wool soaked in the juice into their vaginas as well. It's just weird. Apparently it was like a really popular thing, like it was used as like currency and everything, but it was just like multi-purposeful and it was also used as like a contraceptive. But apparently the scholars don't know how it works, but apparently it does. Hmm. This one's quite this one's quite funny though to me. Sneezing. So Ser- Serenus, a Greek 
gynecologist who treated women in ancient Rome wrote, wrote that as a man ejaculates, his female partner, quote, most, must hold her breath and draw herself away a little so that the seed may not be hurled too deep into the cavity of the uterus. And getting <laughs> up immediately and squatting down, she should induce sneezing and carefully wipe the vagina all round. Which is funny because, like, obviously, she's That's basically to... withdrawal, or, like, trying to. Yeah, but, right. But it's already in there. You're just trying to eject it. But, like, do you know when you, someone's coming you and then, like, you're sat on the toilet trying to get it out? You do kind of, like, cough, don't you, to try and get, like, everything to, like, loosen? <laughs> Makes me laugh. But apparently, like, they didn't. Yes, you do. You could make yourself sneeze. Do you know what I mean? This is a very, very interesting one that maybe some people have heard of because I remember hearing about this at school, but. Ancient Egyptian women, so around like 1800 BCE, use an unusual ingredient, crocodile poo, basically, to prevent pregnancy. Yeah. After mixing the reptile species with fermented dough, women would sprinkle the concoction onto their vulvas or inside their vaginas to block sperm from reaching their uterus. Other ancient peoples in India and the Middle East use elephant feces for a similar form of birth control, putting aside for the moment the unsanitary nature of inserting animal feces inside one's body. This is vile. Yeah. Penis would be like covered in shit, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Go on too long, but olive oil, apparently you like put it inside and then it apparently slows down like the sperm, basically like slows the sperm's motility down. You would mix it with like olive oil, honey, uh, cedar resin, or balsam tree juice with or without white lead. Like, what is with this lead situation? Why are people putting lead in their vaginas? Like, ghee and salt, you know, ghee, like the butter, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they would insert cotton dips into a blend of ghee, honey, and or tree seeds into their vaginas. I feel like honey is like popular because it's sticky. So they think if we get the sticky stuff in the way, the sperm won't be able to get through. That's fucking jokes. It just sounds Do you know very... having sex though. Like imagine going like, <laughs> like stickiness. Like... <laughs> yeah. Also, like the stickiness. I just feel like it just wouldn't be nice. Like you just feel oh, so yeah, I can't. This one... My little vagina is like shrinking up enough. It's like clenching, isn't it? We need to not do that. Also, guys, speaking of oil, please don't use random oils as lubes. It really isn't good for your vagina and probably it isn't good for a guy's penis either. So I just want to throw that out there whilst oil came up because it is quite common that people won't use lube, think they don't need lube, have no lube and may use some kind of oil. I mean, I don't think all the oils are really bad, but I just wouldn't be putting oil up there. You, to be honest, no shame in lube. We all need lube. It's okay. It took me a very long time to learn that, but it's okay if we need lube. It doesn't make us any less desirable. Every vagina gets dry, period. I was actually reading the other day that dioxides that are in certain things obviously can worsen like or inflame endometriosis. And they were talking about like sometimes it's an ingredient in like certain types of lube. Um, and it was actually saying if you if you can't find like a natural lube, although you can buy natural lubes um, that don't have like loads of chemicals in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. One thing that you can use, it's like one of the only types of oils that is appropriate to use is coconut oil. I, was thinking and I still felt a bit weird about it. Like I still feel like I'm not sure about that. Like, yeah, I mean, I use coconut oil as a moisturizer and to cook my yeah, like, I don't know if I went up my. another thing to mention as well is that if you're using condoms oil-based lubes can interfere with them and make them more likely to snap so if you are using condoms and need to use lube please use a water-based lube thank you smart also can i just say as well i don't know how 
educated some people will be about this but obviously for a long time it was like oh I'm in a double bag as in like use a condom over a condom <gasps> oh god yeah that. mention this friction creates holes like it's not a good idea <laughs> don't put two condoms on it once like one will be enough it won't make a difference it, it's more likely to split if you use two than it is yeah if you use one. So please don't use don't do condoms that's also going to take a lot of time to get all those condoms on you're probably going to kill the vibe like just not worth it <laughs> so the next fact then is oh this one's quite a horrible one but i just want to let you know of this because i think it's quite a serious thing that people need to be aware of and that me and jazz have briefly mentioned how the pill made us feel depressed and had suicidal thoughts but during my project i did a lot of research and there's quite a famous study that was done in 2016 in denmark by skovland more, I'm going to pronounce these wrong. Mort, Kissing, and Lidgard. I'm sorry if I've pronounced their names wrong. But basically, they did a study of a million women on hormonal contraception in Denmark. And this study showed that 50% of women on hormonal contraceptives were diagnosed with depression, and 40% of those women were prescribed antidepressants. Wow. So... I don't know how much half a million is. Literally half a million. Half a million women. 500,000. Yeah, that's there we go. That's a lot. That's crazy. And, and then, so, yeah. Yeah, so... Sorry, it just shook. No. Yeah, let that settle in and then listen to this. So, even more shockingly, women taking hormonal contraception were actually twice as likely to attempt suicide and three times as likely to successfully commit suicide compared to women who were non-hormonal con- contraceptive takers. And this is particularly true for young women between the ages of 15 and 19. Yeah. Like, wow. these things we are putting in our bodies just to have sex and stop pregnancy are causing women it. to kill themselves or want to kill themselves or try to kill themselves. Like, that is not fucking okay. It makes sense that it's like between 15 and 19 as well, because like you were saying about your own experiences earlier, and I can definitely relate when you're between those ages, you have so much already happening naturally inside your body, hormonally changing and stuff that it can just literally send you around the twist. Like, I can't believe that. That's horrible, horrible numbers, isn't it? It is. I was so, so shocked when I found this out and I was doing more and more research and there was women speaking about it and it's, it's true. Like it's a true study. And you know like I said earlier I don't want it to all be negative but it's like at the end of the day when we're taking something which I don't want to say we don't have to take because Mm -hmm. in everyday life it is really important for women to have or for men to have or for everyone to have Mm -hmm. but you know you need to be thinking about if there's other options to stop Mm -hmm. this then they need to be made it needs to like this it's horrific yeah this is killing people like these are killing people and that's without the added you know cancer it can cause the added strokes it can cause the added high blood pressure it can cause you know so this really is a really serious subject that many people don't understand and i think it needs to be kind of hammered home that like this mm. isn't just as simple as i quickly swallow a pill that to stop getting pregnant and to have some sex like it it's so much more deep and serious than that. There's just so much pressure as well when you, yeah, like there's so much pressure as well when you're younger to like not want to really use condoms. And obviously a lot of the time when you're younger, you're not really having 
necessarily sex with just one person or well, at any age but like you know there's a lot of pressure about it and people take this out of it in tv shows and in films about condoms and stuff so you feel this pressure to just make it easier for for the man basically by using like a hormonal contraceptive and I feel like when you like in my experience anyway when I went to the doctors and when I went to the nurse and stuff like that I really do feel like you are just kind of given it and like sent on your merry way and then to to know like those those numbers you've just said have shocked me like I really do feel like wow because also most women don't feel like that validated about it unless they speak properly about it to other people and then they're like wow you had that as well like to go through all that and to be so young and to be trying to handle so much other stuff in life and to be feeling to for like 50% of women who are, you know, potentially between 15 and 19 to be feeling depressed because they're taking this thing. And not even know. They probably don't even, even know because of the pill. Mm. Yeah. And then they can feel like loads of things are going wrong in their life and they don't understand why. I just think it's horrible. Yeah, it's really, really horrible. And whilst we're on the subject of awfulness, like the, the hormonal contraceptives can also you know increase your risk of cancers including breast cervical and liver cancer and it shouldn't be taken if there is a history of breast cancer in your family which you know if a gp is not bring that up that. yeah nobody's ever told me that then that is something everyone should be knowing if you smoke because of an increased risk of blood clots which are much more common in contraceptive users you should be aware of that but they also lower production of testosterone, which obviously is always associated with the male sort of anatomy. And that's like a male hormone. It isn't. We need testosterone for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it also lowers production of DHEA. And it also decreases bone density. And then they are also linked to inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's disease and can also lead to heart attack or stroke. So wow. obviously all these things are really bad and they are things you all need to be aware of but it is the same with any medication that you take there will always be symptoms side effects and links to other illnesses so you know before I completely freak you out you do need to be aware that you can't take a medicine and be completely free of anything you know there's always a risk for something or a side effect but you just feel like oh should we just accept that then no problem (laughs) it's like to me, it's like also with like, say, for example, if you said if you smoke, there's an increased risk of blood clots and stuff like that. Like when you're younger, you don't always tell the doctor if you smoke. Yeah, like, definitely. Like maybe that's your own fault, but you don't know how important it is to be honest about it. Like, yeah, exactly. If you, if you knew that, if they say to you, so how much do you smoke a day? And you say, oh, I don't. Ha ha. But you know you do. Like, because you yeah. don't, like, you feel like you don't want to get in trouble or something then or you can't be bothered to get the lecture from like yeah for sure like shut up mate like whatever which is which is your own fault but in a way like how as a child or a young person as a teenager are you supposed to be able to like make educated decisions about things without having all the information because they should say to you just so you know if you smoke and you take this simultaneously you're going to have an increased risk of blood clots which yeah instead of saying do you smoke and then giving you the information if you're on it it's like I just feel like the main thing that is important about this whole episode and what you've done a great job of getting across so far, Shara, is like education about it is going to give you so much more power to make the right decisions and advocate for yourself well. And like, it's okay if you think, okay, well, that does happen to most people who take medication, but you should know what you're doing to your body. Like you might not take it if you knew that. Education surrounding contraception could save lives. Yeah, 100%. Basically. And so thinking about that as well a way kind of to explain how it does 
affect everything Mm. is that when you think about specifically the pills I suppose because it makes more sense so obviously you take a pill you swallow it it goes all the way through your digestive system and into your stomach so unlike for example the hormonal coil Mm. it's not in the area of the womb or your reproductive section so it's targeting your whole body because it's having to travel through your whole body Mm. so the whole body entire body receives these hormones you know not just like yeah like the genitalia but parts of the brain the hearts the lungs the, the limbic system and that's why it's a problem and again dr aurora said this because scientists still don't know the full effect of what these hormones do to our bodies even after all this time and that's mm. the same for the patch the injection the implant all of them anything with a hormone scientists till this day still cannot know exactly what parts of the body is being affected it's interesting isn't it because like like when you said when we said about the history like that's only the 60s so right now it's only been 80 years so there's a really and nobody starts taking contraceptives at zero you had to be a married woman so let's imagine that they were you know 25 maybe they were a bit younger because it was the 60s but let's say like 20 then so really we've only got people that are 60 right now who can even like accredit how it how it's affected them if they've been taking it since then but I really don't feel like that's a good enough like timeline like how you're supposed to do anything and um Dr Aurora also told me in in the interview with her you guys can watch this I'll um plug my product at the end but she said that when she was younger about 18 she'd been on the pill for about two years and she kept asking to come off the pill because she had all these Mm -hmm. side effects and the woman said to her she was she was older and she said you can't get rid of the pill you can't stop taking the pill it is a revolution for women like a sexual revolution you know we finally got this opportunity to not be pregnant and to have all the sex that we want you know Mm. and she was sat there thinking this archaic woman what the hell but for a lot of women all over the world like the pill was like this amazing thing and back then they wouldn't have known about the side effects but maybe they didn't care because they're getting to go and have all this sex and it's like this new like a new thing thing yeah okay so another fact which this is absolutely crazy and if you want to read about it a great book is how the pill changes everything by dr sarah e which you guys can get it's a nice pink cover basically the pill can change a woman's view of their partner even to like the small part of their smell so during my contraception project i spoke to Sexologist and neuroscientist Dr. Aurora Malay Karaz. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's from France and we had a lovely long interview, but here is a little snippet of her opinion of the pill and it affecting relationships. It has been shown that uh, we are looking for different features in a male partner as women when we are at different times of the cycle. And when we are taking the pill, the pill actually is mimicking the second phase of the cycle, kind of the phase where you could actually be pregnant. So your body is reacting as if you were having a baby. And uh, it has been shown that uh, when women have been on the pill for a very long time, they stop the pill, they get pregnant, let's say right away. Actually, they change completely the view that they have on their partner. And what happened for these women is that when they stop the pill and when they are experiencing few months without the pill they actually realize that they do not like 
the men anymore. Actually, it's, it's very funny. There are even studies that shows that uh, the smell is also changing when you are on or off pill. And a woman uh, reported that actually when she stopped the pill, she realized that she could not stand the smell of her partner. So women would come off the pill and break up with their partners after a couple of months because they realized they didn't like their smell or they didn't like their partner. Because yeah. the pill and hormonal contraceptives make your body think it's in the first stages of pregnancy. Mm, so it feels like it whenever man's around is like going to be the baby daddy and let's yeah the baby daddy and so when you're on the pill you're you're will be seeking out things to ha you know in your partner to have sex and to make like them think that they're going to be a good dad you know and it can completely change the view like it can change you and your partner it can ruin a relationship like it's crazy it's mad though isn't it some people when when you've been on contraception like you think everything's all right and then you get to the actual sex part of things and I'm like whoa I actually don't want yeah. to do this anymore and then that must be part of it like the hormones like wow it's, that could be like you're getting all excited your body wants you to get pregnant but then you get with the man yeah. and then the pill's actually like no he's not going to be no. a good baby daddy don't <laughs> don't procreate don't do with him yeah yeah genuinely mental, like Dr. Aurora said as well that the problem and concern for doctors these days is that many medical doctors aren't even aware of the impact of a lot of the side effects because it's not the same field in medical research as in practical research. So mm. if they're not out there seeking out their own research about contraceptives and hormones, which let's be honest, doctors are really busy, work ridiculous hours, probably not going to do that much research into one particular thing. Yeah. Um, then they can't explain that to women and therefore change the pill or adapt that contraceptive for women. So, but how mental is that? I was like, what the fuck? Like, I feel like such that? an issue as well is like with, with GPs is that everyone kind of like, not everyone, but a lot of people kind of think, and I definitely have thought this before as well, like, yeah, your GP is a doctor. They know everything about everything. But a GP is a very unspecialized doctor who can basically lead you in the right direction for serious things and put mm. a plaster on you for other things. Like, not trying to shame any doctor or say they're not good. Like, I, that's not my point. But I feel like if you've got something kind of specific going on that's like an individualized thing, you need like a, a doctor who knows specifically about that particular thing. If it's about yeah. what contraception, you need a contraceptive doctor. Like, and that's what I'm saying. You know, if, if these doctors haven't, bother to go and do more research or read about it then they're not going to know and and then they can't tell really you care. it's just yeah. i feel like contraception is like a quick oh this is a quick appointment they just want the pill just put them on the pill yeah. get them out catch up with the next patient kind of thing you know yeah do you want to do the next fact it's quite an interesting sure. one sure so the next fact is about sex drive so according to the study relationship satisfaction and outcome in women who meet their partner when using oral contraception, they found that sexual arousal, sexual adventurousness, sexual perceptivity, perceptivity, sexual attraction, partner support, and partner's body attractiveness were all ranked with higher satisfaction if you do not take the pill and less satisfied if you do. However, orgasms with partners, partner's loyalty, partner's ambition, partner's rejection, compliant sex, and partner's facial attractiveness were ranked as no different whether being on or off the pill. Research also shows that hormonal contraceptive users tend to have less sex and are more likely to have problems with pain or discomfort from sex than people who are not on hormonal contraceptives. Wow. That is 
just a little bit mental, isn't it? That was from a study um, from in 2011 from eight authors, including Anthony C. Little. And I will um, link that in the show notes. So the study is literally called Relationship Satisfaction and Outcome in Women Who Meet Their Partner While Using Oral Contraception. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because you just think, right, well, if you're out there and you are looking for the pill and you're taking the pill and you're looking for a partner, it might be a good idea to come off of it maybe try something else Definitely. while you search for a partner because you might find that you're actually not happy with that person very quickly after. Or if you've been on the pill for a long time and you're still with your partner, you should come off it for a bit and see if your feelings are still the same. Yeah, or like imagine you're with someone and you've been on the pill for ages and then you two decide to have a baby together so you come it, off the pill and, that is and then you find out actually you don't want to have a baby with this person. That's crazy. That is literally what happens. It can break up marriages. People can get married, they've always been on the pill, decide they want to have a baby, move house, and then it's like, actually, hold on, I don't even like you that much. Like, madness. Oh, the pill, the relationship wrecker. <laughs> wow. And just one thing I want to mention as well, a little fact here about, about hormonal contraceptives is, and I've definitely had this, they cause funny shrinkage, guys. They shrink <laughs> the inside of your vulva. Um, wow. And yeah, it literally affects your genitals. Fallen lubrication, which we've men- mentioned. So it causes the labia min- minora to decrease in thickness, the size of the entrance to the vagina, less frequency of sex and lower occurrence of orgasm because of these changes um and can also increase pain during sex so we're taking it to have good sex but in reality it really ain't great for our sex lives yeah (laughs) and i remember thinking like my vagina feels weird and i didn't know back then that your vagina changes size and fluid and things at different times of your cycle we'll talk about cycle in a bit but so it could have been that but i'm also convinced it was the pill and it felt like smaller and weird like maybe this is way TMI if you're putting out on a podcast but like my vagina felt smaller <laughs> yeah but smaller. Like, it, it really is like crazy how how it can do that I don't like I don't like that kind of thing I don't like thinking like oh my god this pill is doing that and it's actually changing yeah. my physical body as well as like my mental yeah body. it's also important to realize and I've mentioned this before that it is not a period and I don't know if I went into that much detail but basically the progestin only hormonal birth control contains just progestin and that is a synthetic form of the body's natural occurring hormone progesterone they're spelt differently so progestin is e-s-t-i-n and progesterone is t-e-r-o-n-e and the hormonal combined pill contains both progestion and estrogen so this means the body is now suppressed the natural hormones our bodies would create naturally in relation to periods and women's cycles Maisie hill the author of period power says when you take these forms of hormonal contraception you're not taking estrogen and or progesterone you actually take a synthetic version of them these aren't the same so it means you're not getting any benefits associated with the form of these hormones that you produce naturally as a result of your menstrual cycle And it also means you're not getting a real period, but a withdrawal bleed. This happens, for example, for one week, once a month, if you're on the pill and you take a break. So many people think it is their period, but you don't get a period. You can't get a period or you cannot ovulate if you're taking hormonal contraceptives. That was really apparent in the project I did. People always talking about, I want to get my period on my week off. And it's like, no, it's not a period. And the important thing to know about this is that actually our natural cycles and these hormones are really good for us, not just for reproductive rights, but for all different things 
protein levels, loads and loads of things. So that's why it's also really important to have a break at some point in your life, just for your body to kind of replenish. And it also might be worth if you're coming off hormonal contraception to start conceiving or just in general to take some supplements and you could get a blood test with your doctor to see what you're deficient in because the pill doesn't let you create these or or like uses them up or takes them away or something but yeah so I think that's just an important point to make as well definitely so you've heard me talk about my project a lot and if you know me you'll know I've spoken about it on Instagram so here it is it is still a bit rusty I need to be able to get editing rights from my university to edit it so please ignore the word Cooper describing the coil at the end um it is meant to say copper coil I will put the link in the show notes and I will also put the link on Instagram and it will be on my personal Instagram at Shy8. So yeah, please go and check it out and let me know what you think. It was a whole lot of work, 15,000 words, a lot of video and audio editing. And it's something I'm going to turn into like little mini podcast episodes and eventually get my own website to host the whole thing where people can get involved, people can find resources, we can have weekly Q&As. So if you'd like to get involved in that, then please let me know as we would love to hear from you. So we'll be back next week with some more exciting contraception topics, including cycle tracking, which is really, really important and I'm really excited to share with you. Racism and contraception, more facts, male contraception, and my experience. Plus, our Grow, Glow and Go and our challenge for you. So make sure you tune in next Friday. Just before we close off today's episode, we want to remind you guys that we're also taking shout outs. If you've got a loved one or someone who you really appreciate, who's grow, glowing and going in your life, then let us know on our Instagram at Intentionally Podcast and we'll do a little shout out. And this week, we have one from Laurie, who has asked if we can give a shout out to her best friend, Becky Whelan. She is absolutely amazing and so inspiring. She started a new job at the start of the pandemic, which she has absolutely smashed. She's also moved into her own home at the beginning of this year as well. And despite having a tough few years, she is always the brightest smile in any room. This pandemic has brought us closer together and I've been able to confide in her about absolutely anything. We cry together on the phone, tell each other our deepest secrets and thoughts, but most importantly, we just laugh and laugh and laugh until our bellies hurt. She is truly incredible and I'm so, so grateful to have her in my life. Thank you for being you and please don't ever change. So that's for Becky Whelan from Laurie Kyle and... I know both of you girls and what has been said is absolutely true and so, so, so much love to you both and thank you both for all your support. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both. Very much love to everyone and thank you to all of our listeners. Thanks for sticking with us as we grow and glow and go ourselves. Woo! Love you all. Love you, bye! Love you, bye! That's the end of today's episode. Thanks for coming to listen to Intentionally You. For more info and bagging content, check us out on Instagram at Intentionally You Podcast. And to engage with us about anything we've mentioned today, slide into our DMs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please comment, rate and share as it really helps get us out there. We'll catch you in our next episode. Until then, stay blessed and remember to grow, glow and go and be intentionally you. You.